Welcome to twoquestions.tv. With me today is Light Watkins, and we're talking about meditation and stress relief. Twoquestions.tv. Brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. Welcome to twoquestions.tv. I'm Susan Barancini Mo. Joining me today is Light Watkins. He's a meditation teacher, a speaker, and he's the author of this book, Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying. Hi, Light. Welcome to the show. Hi, Susan. It's good to see you. Well, I am very excited. I loved your book. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you, uh, you got a chance to check it out. Yeah, and thank you for fitting us in in between. I know you're going from interview to interview today, so thanks for being here. <laughs> um, okay, so you have taught meditation to A-list Hollywood actors, professional athletes, what you call bold-faced names, and you've also taught ordinary people like us. What's the most common misconception that people have about meditation? The most common misconception that people have about meditation is that their mind is an obstacle to the practice. Mm -hmm. And I hear this almost without exception. Every time I meet somebody, and I've been teaching a lot of people, I've taught thousands of people personally over a very long time. And I haven't, I honestly, I haven't had anybody come into the room on day one and just say, you know what? My mind is very busy and I just love it. It's just it's the best thing ever. <laughs> no, we don't love it. <laughs> no one has ever, ever, ever said that. And so the trick to meditation is in adopting the attitude, whether you believe it or not, that your mind is this most this amazing thing. It's noble. The thoughts you have are not an obstacle or a nuisance to the practice of meditation any more than sweat is a nuisance to working out. It's a byproduct of the experience. And so if you don't want to sweat, then don't work out. If you don't want to think, then don't meditate. But, you know, that's a part. If, if, if you know that sweating is an experience, and, and to take it further, the more you sweat, the more effective the workout was. We have this natural understanding. So my, my passion has been to bring this awareness to a larger scale so that other people can start to have the same attitude about their mind. And here's the irony. The irony is that when you can see your mind as an ally and your thoughts as the symptom of correct practice, you're going to have all of the experiences you wanted to have in meditation. You're going to have that quiet mind and experience. You're going to have the floating. You're going to have the stillness. You're going to have the peace that you always wanted to have because by embracing and accepting, you will allow your mind to have an easier time settling, which is what needs to happen in order for all the good stuff to occur. So that's what Bliss More was about. That was the reason behind writing it was to change that conversation around, you know, um, beating up ourselves about how busy our mind is and just re and just, and just reimagining an experience where the mind can be a part of, uh, it can be a happy component to the, the practice itself. You know, in the book, you said that meditation is kind of like treadmill for the out of shape mind. And right. 
And I really liked that metaphor because all of a sudden it made sense to me. Um, I've meditated on and off over the years, but just like working out where I have hardly ever had that whole endorphin high thing, I've never had the blissful thing with meditation. So where is, is the bliss to be found in removing the sort of battle between you and your mind? That's a part of it, but I would, I would go further and say the bliss is the outcome of a settled mind. So the more you can settle, okay, so the more chaotic the mind is, the less bliss you're going to feel. We all agree with that. Tell right? me about it. <laughs> so, so then the opposite has to also be true. The more settled the mind becomes, the more blissful or happy, excuse me, or happy or content the mind must feel. And that's really what we mean when we say we want to be peaceful, we want to have inner peace. Mm -hmm. It means that we want to have a more structured, ordered thinking process, right? Instead of the chaotic, I can't understand how this is connected to that randomnessity that most of us tend to experience or that kind of boring, ever repeating known of the status quo type of thoughts, the groundhog day experience, which can be very, um, can make us very antsy and anxious. So that's what, that's what the meditation does is it takes you to that place where everything feels more ordered, feels more settled, and that's where you're going to find all the bliss. Now, here's the irony, though, is that when you're in that place in meditation, you don't know you're in that place. So if you go into meditation looking for it, then you're not going to find it. And you're probably going to feel like anything that you're experiencing other than that place is stopping you from getting to that place so again it comes back to the attitude of hey look i'm just gonna accept everything that i'm experiencing now and knowing that if even if i do get to that place i'm not even going to realize it when i'm there because you can't be completely settled and peaceful and then have a full awareness that you're on your couch or in your car meditating and you're in that place and, and fully settled being aware of what you're doing is a part of the kind of surface level experience, which is away from the settled mind experience. Mm. So again, these kinds of understandings aren't really talked about very widely in meditation circles. And I think we need to change that conversation so that people don't unnecessarily disqualify themselves from feeling like, oh, you know, I can't meditate. It's not for me. I hear that all the time. I yep. tried it. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the level of focus. I'm not, basically what they're saying is I'm not a monk. Yes. And, and the truth is I'm not, a monk. I'm not a monk either, right? My mind is just as busy as anyone else's mind at the surface. But when you understand the mechanics of the practice and you apply those mechanics, then you're going to find that your experiences are going to match my experiences, which are going to take you to a very nice, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And it's a very much like swimming, you know, like if you don't know how to swim, you can get in the water and move around and stuff and have fun for a few minutes. But if you had to swim from one side of a pool to the other side of the pool, and you don't understand the mechanics of how to do that, you're going to have a very miserable time. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can't swim. It just means you haven't learned how to do it efficiently. And so same is true with meditation. It doesn't mean you can't meditate or you don't have the willpower to do it. It just means you haven't really learned how to do it efficiently. Okay. 
bonus question. I feel like I'm doing every interview today as bonus questions, but slight uh -huh. bonus, slight bonus question. <laughs> um, so a lot of uh, what I've been reading lately is sort of um, blowing apart the idea of what you have to be as a meditator. So, you know, this idea that you have to own, um, and you, you talked about that a lot in your book as well, that, you know, we have this idea of what it should be. And you're saying, no, just be comfortable. Where are you comfortable? Where do you watch TV? Where do you lay, you know, where do you, you know, hang out and eat potato chips? That's where you should be meditating. And right. I liked that a lot. Um, but I also felt like there was, it, it wasn't this complete exploding of the idea of meditation, but rather like, listen, it doesn't have to be all the things with all the trappings but here are some things you probably need to do. Is that fair? Yeah, I think, you know, again, it's, it's a part of the sort of consumer, consumer mentality that we live in. Like we have to have all this stuff in order to have an experience. I've been meditating for almost 20 years. I've never had an altar before. You don't need an altar. You don't need candles. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a cushion, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. When you start taking away all of the stuff, you find that actually you can meditate anywhere. You can do it in your car. You can do it. I have had many car meditations. I have had many plane meditations, mm -hmm. airplane meditations. I've had meditations in movie theaters. I've had during the previews. I've had meditations in parking garages. I've had meditations in parks, in doctor's offices, in grandmother's living room while people were watching television on road trips in the back seat of the car while people were listening to music and talking to in, the, in the front seat of the car so again when you understand these mechanics you don't have to be so concerned with what's around you and again going back to the swimming analogy you know if you know how to swim it doesn't matter how deep the water is or what color the water is or you know any of these kinds of things that can, we can get caught up with, if you don't know how to swim, you're concerned about all of that. How, 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 how deep is it? Okay, is it cold? Is it, uh, how long do I have to swim for? You know, you're concerned about all of these things that don't really matter to a, someone who's adept at that particular practice. And, and you can do it anywhere. And it's not even really a big deal. And you can even have fun while you're doing it. So I think the more that we, think that we need the more excuses we ultimately have for not doing it and the less we think we need then the easier it is to adapt to whatever environment we find ourselves in and then next thing you know we, we, we're becoming daily practitioners because the, the truth of it is if you're not doing it every day you're not really making that big of a dent in the impact that things like stress and and lack of quality rest are having on the nervous system and that's really, you know, what the big benefit is with meditation is it can give your body a jolt, a surge of energy that it desperately needs in order to repair itself, rehabilitate old trauma, and to get us to a point where we're op operating at a higher level, where we're able to tap into more of our potential. And so... Um, you know, if we're not, if we're only meditating once a week or twice a week or something like that, and the stress is not taking any days off, then it's like, it's like, you know, a two minute exercise. If you, yeah, you're working out every day for two minutes, but I mean, are you really going to be able to lose weight by a two minute workout? Get back on the treadmill. 
on the treadmill and yeah. keep going. Exactly. <laughs> and don't get off till I say stop. So, <laughs> you know, we, we a regimen is definitely useful, but it needs to be optimal. And I, I would say the optimal amount of time um, on a daily basis is about you know, 20 minutes per sit, you can sit two, two times a day. I, I wouldn't say do it less than 10 minutes. You don't really have to do it more than 30 minutes. You don't really need to meditate more than a couple of times a day for, for, for maximum effect. I'm a big fan of guided meditations. I use them because my mind wanders a lot. Um, is that something that you support or is it better not to? Well, here's the, I support all meditations, right? I don't <laughs> care if it's you standing on your head, rubbing peanut butter on your face. If that's a meditation practice that you wake up in the morning and you're excited about, then great. You keep doing that. Is that if an you, LA thing? <laughs> if you wake up in the morning and you have a guided practice that you don't look forward to, you don't feel excited about, mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're getting a lot of benefit from, then then you want to read Bliss more and, 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 and learn about these mechanics that I think will make the experience a lot easier, right? But if, if you like the guided experience and you're doing it every day, that's another thing. You can't just be, just can't, it's not a situation where you like to do it every now and again. You have to, you have to enjoy doing it every day. And that's where you're going to find the best results from it, okay? It needs okay. to be in that same category as cuddles with puppies, as dessert if you're a, if you have a sweet tooth, which most of us do, as um, you know Sunday fun day activities. The things that you wake up and you literally look forward to and you plan around in your day. So if it's in the flossing my teeth category, or you know, I gotta clean the floors category things that you know you should do but you only really do it when you make a special appointment to do it and it's not really you're not going to be as consistent as you need to be okay very very good advice and i really um i have a lot of clients that i recommend meditation to and they're they always say i don't know how or i'm not very good at it now i know what i'm going to do order this book for them Obviously, <laughs> like it's, I mean, and, and honestly, like it is really, um, it is really practical and, and I appreciate practical books so much. Light, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you featuring it. Uh, Bliss more. Okay. Viewers, here's the book. We're going to have the link to Amazon so you can get your copy down in the show notes today. So make sure you get your book because this is. This is gonna help you meditate, finally. All right, thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. This has been twoquestions.tv. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, learn more about the show, the guests, and our host, Susan Barancini-Mo, visit us at www.twoquestions.tv.